And now, on with the show. Yeah, whatever we do, uh, I think we should pool our money and buy a, a one lifetime membership to Pure Flix for a thousand dollars. Can't is it shareable, or do it, we need to? That's we're, we're not going to share it. There's no way we're not sharing that shit if we. Oh yeah, Jesus didn't share. Jesus <laughs> would cry if we shared our Pure Flix membership. Jesus, Jesus can cry all he wants to. I'm not. A, he's not a big sharer. So, that's my yeah. fetish. Jesus tears got, turns me on. I got a thousand <laughs> bucks laying around. We would only, like I said, we'll just pool it. <laughs> David clearly doesn't care about the Jesus crying, so we'll just share it anyway. We'll put it under my name. $333 each. Easy. Easy money. And then we'll all be Pure Flex members for life. My wife would love that. Mm-hmm. Somebody should just chip in $666 just for the symbolism of it. Just barter with them for a Pure Flex membership? <laughs> so is this... Uh, I mean, I would dollars and not a penny more. <laughs> I'd rather go in uh, for I, I would pay Ryan Re- Reynolds a membership for for Mint Mobile over this. I mean, I'd watch rather watch Foolproof for <laughs> like the rest of my life than Passion of the Christ over and over again. Well, At least Passion man. of the Christ nope. decent production values. I, These are the the crazy, like, like they they churn these movies out for like fifty grand a piece. <laughs> I don't even know if Passion of the Christ is on Pure Flix, oddly enough, but fucking VeggieTales is. Yeah, it's like it totally is. It's like, fucking, even, it's like a fucking puppy mill, but for Christian movies. They don't even <laughs> pay the actors; they're just like church volunteers. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. We've gone ahead and donated your salary to the church. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, welcome, welcome everyone to uh, this week's episode of Weekend Watch. Uh, oh, we're starting the show. show. We're oh, starting we the show. This is the start. <laughs> <laughs> So if you didn't like that, get the fuck out because you're not going to like the rest of the show. (laughs) This is a show where we give our recommendations for what to watch on your favorite streaming services this weekend. Uh, So uh, we don't have a theme this week, you guys. We're, We're back to our wild and chaotic shows about anything and everything. Maybe you don't have a theme. I've had a running theme for the last two months. See if you can press it together. <laughs> no, different. That's oh, you mean, you mean in your recommendations? <laughs> okay, all right. I, don't I will piece it together. To, to themes. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna kick it off. I don't know what we're doing here. Uh, Keith, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you go. Oh, right, uh, Keith. Uh, shut up, David. <laughs> <laughs> Keith is going to be giving us our first recommendation this week. And Keith is starting off with. I'm going to start off with a Wes Anderson film because, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had our good friend Jonathan on. He was talking about styles of movies and how he really did not like Charlie Kaufman's style and how he compares him to like a Wes Anderson who also has a heavy style and a heavy hand in his style. And I just had to come out and say that I fucking love Wes Anderson. So I'm going to kick this off and I'm just going to random roulette, shoot it out, Rushmore. Uh, I'm shooting that one out there because it doesn't matter what movie I say. I'm talking about mostly Wes Anderson films. I will say Rushmore, though, because that is probably one of my favorites. It's one of his more early films. It is fucking amazing. It has Jason Schwartzman and Bill Murray. And it is... 
uniquely funny and depressing and great all at once. It is it's just one of my favorite films. I'm going to I'm going to bleep out the title that you chose and then let people try to pick try to figure out which Wes Anderson <laughs> film we're talking about and right now I don't think you would have given enough information. I, I don't I think you're right. I I have not. It's got Did, Bill Murray and Jason Schwartzman and that's all his movies. <laughs> <laughs> Did he has he said the title more than once so far cuz I thought he said the first title and I, I thought he said uh the first movie, what he was going to originally recommend, and then he said Rushmore. You'll have to bleep again. Beep. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I did. I it, and regardless, maybe you'll be just bleeping <laughs> yeah. me out over and over again. Uh, <laughs> these movies are on Amazon Prime on Prime Video. They have a large collection of Wes Anderson going on over there, and I can't recommend watching any one of his movies enough, especially the the deleted you can say it i'm not actually <laughs> yeah uh rushmore the life aquatic uh the Darjeeling limited moonrise kingdom go watch these movies uh, fantastic mr fox uh is is more animated but he has some goofy little animations in in a bunch of his stuff just in the life aquatic some of the sea creatures and stuff are a nice little wes anderson animation and it it's like it it's just kind of refreshing to see his movies and the colors and the animation that he uses. There's always this like fantastical element to these overly real characters that he creates. Yeah. His, his movies always seem like, like a fairy tale almost. It's got that, that kind of tone to it where everything is just slightly, slightly exaggerated. It's turned up to 11. Uh, I'm also a huge Wes Anderson film uh, or fan. Uh, So is Jonathan, like I said. Um, my favorite in particular is probably the Grand Budapest Hotel. Great film, but uh, I completely understand Rushmore uh, being at the top of your list as well. Yeah, um, I love we it. Have, I so we haven't actually talked about the plot of Rushmore. You, you <laughs> got a rundown. Um, so Rushmore follows a uh, young Jason Schwartzman. He is at this boarding school that he got into by by writing a play. And um, his family can't quite afford it. And he kind of tries to be kind of a bad boy the whole time he's there. He ends up falling for a new teacher. Uh, Bill Murray is the father of some of, and he's a very wealthy man. He's the father of some of Jason Schwartzman's uh, characters, classmates. And they make a, an odd friendship together. And it's the story of this friendship. And it's kind of weird and awkward and fantastic. and it it brings together these characters in in such a fun way like you said it's it's a fairy tale in a way there's there's some fantastical stuff about it but not overly it still feels very real and it's a it's a nice just cozy story yeah and i was thinking about it i don't think fairy tale is the word i was going for it's storybook yeah his okay. films feel like read like like a storybook come to life yeah, so yeah I, I definitely get that so uh, check out Rushmore and really any of Wes Anderson's films. Um, don't take that as an official recommendation because I'm sure we're going to talk about more of them at some point in the future. But check out Rushmore specifically and any of Wes Anderson's films uh, that are currently streaming on Prime, did you say? Yes, Amazon Prime video. Perfect. All right. Uh, next, we're going to kick it over to David for his first recommendation. David, what you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Daybreak. Um 
This is uh, another Netflix original. It is unfortunately uh, only one season, but uh, let's see. Let's give it a rundown here. Um, the series follows the story of 17-year-old Canadian high school outcast Josh Wheeler, who is searching for his missing British girlfriend, Sam Dean, in post-apocalyptic Glendale, California. He is joined by a ragtag group of misfits, including 10-year-old pyromaniac Angelica and Josh's former high school bully, Wesley, who is now a pacifist would-be samurai. Josh tries to survive among the hordes of Mad Max-style gangs, evil jocks, cheerleaders turned Amazonian warriors. Um, zombie-like creatures called ghoulies and everything else this brave new world throws at him. So it's post-apocalyptic, but only as uh, mostly plot device to sort of like be a setting. This is more like a teen drama, I would say. Um, but they do such a good job of it that it is definitely entertaining for everyone. Um, Josh, he, he kind of plays this new kid. He, you know, he goes to this new school and he doesn't really fit in with any of the cliques there. Um, and then bombs go off, so the, the world ends, and it's about him sort of navigating the high school cliques, but they're killing each other also. And they do it, they've got this, they're very self-aware about their, their genre, they poke fun at themselves, they break the fourth wall often, um, and, they, and they're very purposeful about using the environment um, to move the plot along. It's... All around, it's it's a pretty heartwarming uh, story. It's pretty progressive when it comes to the politics that they're passing off, and I, you know, I really enjoyed it all around. Yeah, so did I. Um, I binged this one pretty quickly last year when it first came out. Uh, my, yeah, I really loved the the play between the different cliques, you know, the high school cliques that somehow transfer over into this post apocalyptic wasteland of Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. It was really fun. You know, seeing all these kids trying to survive with where all the adults have turned into zombies, essentially, you know, and, uh, and, and I'm glad like I said, these natural clicks just transfer over into this same post-apocalyptic wasteland. I'm glad you mentioned the adults too, because Matthew Broderick plays the, the, the principal of this school. And then one of the principal antagonists after the apocalypse and they do such a fantastic job with Matthew Broderick. He's so genuine. He's such a, I, I, I loved him as the villain. And, and of course it's Matthew Broderick and it's a school setting. So you have to make a, a Ferris Bueller reference, but right. they did it right in the beginning. They got it out of the way. They didn't keep going back to it. They had their, their little joke and then they moved on. It was done very well. well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I I thought Matthew Broderick was kind of a really great character in that entire show. Agreed. Uh, I think the one big downside is you kind of you kind of mentioned it already is for some reason Netflix has gone ahead and canceled this show. Yep, they set up a really great twist at the end and then they gave it the boot. Yep. So uh, reading a thing about how they're really screwing up kind of the whole market by canceling shows too early. You know, this year they've really given the chop to a lot of different things uh, 18 this, different it show altered carbon some big ones some big budgets uh i remember since eight got the axe um so yeah that was my big question i haven't watched this but it's it's still worth watching even though even though you know it's not really going anywhere it's almost like recommending game of thrones even though you know it, it yeah. got a really shit ending this one just doesn't have an ending yeah, so I feel it, the same it's still way. worth a watch, but 
even with without the continuation. Yeah, I Definitely. for sure. I feel the same way uh, about this as I do about Better Off Ted. That was another right. one that I thought got the axe far too soon, but it's so it's such a good show that it's worth the watch. You know, I, okay. I really did like this show very much. Perfect, uh, David. Anything else you want to tell us about Daybreak? Definitely watch it. Hopefully, Netflix will give it another shot. But no, no but guarantees. Yeah. All right. Uh, well. Let's move on then. Um, the next recommendation, I guess, is mine. And I'm going to be leading off with one of my favorite series of all time. And that is the 2004 reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Um, this was a, I said it's a reboot of the original 1978 show um, in which, you know, which talk, it was this really expansive sci-fi show that came out. It was probably fairly influenced, I think by star Wars at the time, but uh, the reboot t- goes in a whole different direction. Uh, it's about the 12 colonies, each a different planet of humanity. Um, they create this race or this, this, this artificial intelligence race of, of robots essentially that were called Cylons to, help out with tasks just to, you know, help advance humanity who eventually become self-aware and turn on humanity and start a big war. Uh, the war lasts for some, you know, ungodly amount of years. And then finally there's a, a truce. Uh, this show picks up 40 years after the original war where suddenly the Cylons come back, um, completely surprise the 12 colonies, uh, essentially wipe out humanity, save this small fleet uh, commanded by one battleship, the Battlestar Galactica, of about 50,000 people among 50, 60 ships. And the whole series is about them trying to find the the mythical uh, 13th colony of Earth to, to find safe haven as they run from the Cylons and try to reestablish humanity. Uh, one of my favorite shows. It's very... It's one of those those shows or, or you know pieces of media that uses its sci-fi or fantasy backdrop as as just that as a a plot device it doesn't focus too much on the sci-fi aspect of it but is really much more geared towards telling really human stories uh you know in this particular setting um you know it delves into everything from from you know capitalism and and you know the aristocracy versus you know the 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 proletariat down to, you know, issues of abortion even and how they're going to deal with that in this new, you know, this new trying to kind of society that they're trying to form. Um, very deep issues, morality and, and warfare and, and, and things like that. Uh, like I said, it's one of my favorite shows. I definitely recommend it. You guys have seen this, right? Oh, definitely. One of my favorites. I love this show. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Right. It's it's a staple. If if yeah. you're into sci-fi, you've you've either watched this or you have to watch this. Like this is one of those must-watch. It's up there. Like the this was my original love, and and uh, along a more recent line is is the Expanse. I put in a very similar category as as Battlestar Galactica because they do the same thing. Where it's a lot more like realistic uh, human stories with that sci-fi backdrop, like you said. Uh, Battlestar kind of kicked off that whole setting. One of my favorite aspects about this show is, you know, you're watching Star Wars and stuff and you got your X-Wings banking around in space and Battlestar didn't do that. They they gave you pretty realistic space flight, what it's like to be out in space, the 
the void of space is a very real thing. It's not just this like fantasy setting that you're in. It's it's a very real setting. It, it's very tangible when you're in the small ships and you have to pay attention to your G's and and um, how quickly you can zip around and and change your direction in in any way with the Z axis. So it, they play with space in a much different way than some of your sci-fi fantasy. This is a, a lot more on the sci-fi side of it. Yeah, the the science behind it feels a lot more real. Obviously, it's it's still very much science fiction, but right. everything seems like they tried to base it in some kind of of theoretical, uh, you know, grounding. Right. The other big thing that this show was a good pioneer of is taking something that's clearly computer generated and using camera work to make it feel real. Yes, uh, especially in in the space battles. Uh, you know, like you said, the 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 Viper ships, the little warships, um, uh, like watching them battle, you know, you get a lot of shaky cuts, a lot of, um, you know, out, out of focus shots. Uh, Those quick, quick zooms. zooms. Yeah. yeah. Thing you know, another show that pioneered that really well was, was Firefly, the original. Right. Firefly yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They did that really well, but uh, yeah, it, it takes it to a, a really good level. It kind of perfected that technique. Um, definitely worth a watch for that. Even, even alone. Another thing that I like is um, this is actually, um, you know, one of the foundations for the Mormon belief. The story is actually contained in the Pearl of Great Price. If you didn't know that, explain. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I've heard I'm this. making I'm making a joke because Mormons believe funny things, and they're like, there's a, a weird, uh, there's a lot of um, correlations between Battlestar Galactica and um, I think it's the Book of Mormon or just Mormon. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. But also, I was making a joke Closer about to Scientology. I was I was just wanted to make a joke about how Mormons believe ridiculous things. I mean, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, if uh, we're gonna pick at Christians at the beginning, might as might as well <laughs> dig at the Mormons later in the show. What do we got next? Um, <laughs> well, bring out more religion. No, there's a huge like religious and 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 faith based portion of the story that um, that ties in. It's not just science fiction. There's also, like I said, this religious and and uh, you know, questions of faith and morality and things like that, that, that play into the story as well. When your bad guys, the Cylons are just, they're so, zealots. uh, huh? They're zealots. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're, uh, they're terrifying because they, you, you never know where they are, when, when they're gonna make themselves known. They're, um, they're a very sneaky enemy and, the show uses that to the to its benefit. It's it's yeah. always throwing you a, a curveball. Yeah, um, and I, I've been rewatching it currently. Actually, I'm almost done with the third season again. But um, at first, it was almost too much. Like everything was a little too, uh, you know. Oh, this that's too much of a coincidence to have act, you know to to feel realistic. But they did a really good job of writing that into the story. How everything becomes. Uh, a question of, of religious fate, like this was supposed to happen kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, again, just another aspect of the story that I found to be really well written. Yeah. Great show. All so, around. Yeah. Uh, check out Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I hate to do this, but it is only currently streaming on Peacock. Uh, oh that being God. said, Peacock does have a free tier, so you can sign up for it and check out Battlestar Galactica with some ads, or you can pay for their monthly service uh, to get no ads. <laughs> P. Uh-huh. Cock. 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 <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, uh, let's kick it back over to Keith for his second recommendation of the week. <laughs> my first, my second rec is uh is this goofy ass show on Hulu. Man, I I did not know if I liked this at first, but I really really do. It's called Pen Fifteen, and is this is an outrageous fucking show. It is set in a middle school. Um, creators Maya Erkstein, Erskine, Ers- and Anna Conkel. Sorry, I'm butchering these names, I'm sure. <laughs> they're, they are also your, your main characters in this, and they are playing their 12 and 13 year old selves. I'm seeing another name here with a, with a pretty impressive last yeah, name. Yeah, uh, Sam Zvibbleman. These are some fucked up names man I, I got anna conkle that one's that one's all right maya erskine and sam zvivelman but yeah, yeah this this show is fucking hilarious it is it can be a bit annoying these these women are playing their 13 year old selves and it's fucking it's ridiculous but it throws me back there they are in like 99 2000 middle school and that's when i was in middle school so it is it's fucking hilarious listening to the music that they're playing, the dances they're coming up with, the jokes that they're making between like all the middle school friends was all the same shit I was doing in the middle school. And this the show encapsulates that so well. Uh, it, it is perfectly cringy in the right way. That doesn't make it, it's not off putting. It's not CW cringy. It's cringy because you know that's how you were at thirteen. And it, it's great. I can't recommend this show enough. It is so much fun. This is one I have not yet watched. Um, it's definitely high on my list. It's, they didn't they just drop the second season, right? They did, and I'm just getting into the second season. I wrapped up the first season, and I'm only a couple episodes into the second season, and it's it's just as good, if not better. It's their their comedy is just on point. They they've got a a really good flow, a really good feel of what they're doing, and I can tell that. A lot of these instances are probably taken out of some of what actually happened to these these women in middle school, and it's great. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I fucking hated middle school, like most yeah. everyone did, I'm sure. Right. Uh, and why not relive that cringe to to the best of our ability, right? I yeah, discovered ICP in middle school, bro. I had so <laughs> many. I'm pretty sure all my shirts were ICP shirts in middle school. Oh man, uh, all my shirts had some snarky comment on it like it that was the the hot topic way it was either a band shirt like a metallica shirt or some snarky comment yep. i had a shirt that said i fling poo and a big monkey on it that was like you guys yeah, remember you guys remember I was, can't sleep clowns will eat me and it was just like yep. all the way down mm-hmm. yeah yep. Yep. everybody had that shirt i think yep. david still wears that shirt <laughs> i had one that said be quiet brain or i'll stab you with a q-tip uh-huh. <laughs> yep um <laughs> There's there's the, one of the the characters in the show goes through a little bit of a, a tough time and he shows up at the dance with a, a spiked car, collar and a limp biscuit t shirt on. Oh, like, out. I was like, oh, was, no. <laughs> just like it hit my soul. Like it I was, was attacking me so directly. <laughs> thinking of chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. <laughs> I was not thinking of it. I was listening to Sirius XM Turbo on my way home from work and Break Stuff came on. Oh, oh God. 
that's great. Uh, you guys got to watch this show. You were in middle school at the same time. I, you would, you would just be rolling. There's certain things that rolling, happen in rolling, this rolling. show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Fred Durst does the best cover of Behind Blue Eyes. You can't tell. You can't argue. Fair enough. You're right. I can't argue. I will. Limp Biscuit uh, has done a few good covers, if I'm not mistaken. I was being entirely facetious, Spencer. Shut up, David. <laughs> oh, you motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Spencer still listens to Limp Biscuit in his thirties. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, Faith, you don't remember that one? Spencer, as an adult, do you own a copy of the movie Spice World? No, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, it's out of print. <laughs> they haven't brought it to Blu-ray yet. He's waiting for the day. I am so surprised they haven't released that movie on Blu-ray. I feel like they could make some money by doing that. Absolutely, they could. Back I think that's why Spencer wanted to do this. Faith this whole- was the best cover they ever, the best song they ever covered. So they're <laughs> behind blue eyes. What, like the George Michael song? Yeah, the George Michael song. Fantastic. I. Yeah, man, three dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> if you can see the hand motions, Spencer's making <laughs> three dollar bill, y'all, with a finger, and everyone here knows three dollar bill, y'all, and tried to convince us that Limp Biscuit <laughs> had good songs. This is, I mean, this is almost you know as what? good as watching Pen Fifteen itself. <laughs> <laughs> I will never be ashamed of my love for Limp Biscuit. Oh, good. oh. I would still listen to Limp Bizkit if you give me. If I'm, uh, I'm not going to go back. Everyone, no, back. Give, give $3 bill, y'all, a real listen. Every uh, once yeah. in a while, something from Limp Bizkit comes on, and I don't change the channel. That's right. <laughs> Goddamn right. Anyway, we still have show to go here. So, All right. David, Watch uh, Pen15. It's on Hulu. It's really good. You'll really like it, especially if you were in middle school in the late 90s, early 2000s. Check it out. Boom. David, hit us with your next recommendation. Uh, my final recommendation this week, I'm going to be uh, sticking with the October vibe and uh, go with a iconic classic interview with the vampire. Um, this is what, what is this on right now? Damn it. I had it. I had it. You it's guys, on it's on Hulu right now. It's on Netflix. It's, on Hulu. I it's, it's, on Hulu. it's probably on both. I mean, it Hulu needs to for be sure. Everywhere. Um, it, I mean, there's no appropriate plot synopsis here so I'm, i'll just kind of summarize summarize it uh it follows uh luis it, it it's um brad pitt's uh character he is turned into a vampire louis, louis. you're right sorry louis uh <laughs> um as as he becomes the companion to this vampire lestat played by uh tom cruise and um their travels through what is it victorian is that what you would call that yeah, that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Victorian. Um, and it's kind of told uh, through the perspective of uh, Louis giving um, an interview to this journalist, this writer who he's picked up at at some bar, um, and he's sort of you know explaining his very long life as a vampire. Um, and the, these vampires are not like sparkle in the sunlight vampires. These vampires are very tortured figures. They they subsist they they continue their lives by killing and they're very aware of it and i think that this movie um kind of perfectly summarizes what uh vampire lore has has come to be the the very romantic tragic monsters that these creatures are 
Yeah, yeah and Rice's uh and Rice's vampires are some of my favorite vampires. I love them. I love this book. I love this movie. Um none of these characters are very happy if they are it's very fleeting especially in their internal lives so it's always the the pursuit of happiness for these vampires and it's not easy life and i i i just i love the way she she set these characters up and the way they capture it in this movie i think uh tom cruise and brad pitt were were amazing uh kirsten dunce um, Antonio Banderas, freaking perfect. I love the vampire Lestat, um, and Tom Cruise was an amazing Lestat. Can we take a moment to talk about the sequel, The Queen of the Damned? Oh, God, no. Can we not? Uh, speaking of the greatest musical genre ever to have been created, new metal, obviously, uh, Queen of the Damned had that amazing Jonathan Davis song. Uh, Queen of the Damned had a couple good songs. I I know Static X did something for them too. Like, come on, they had that was a good soundtrack. And you know, my my biggest complaint about that is they tried to squish together two books, right? They tried to didn't they try to yeah, squish in Vampire Lestat and yeah. Queen of the Damned? Yeah. Why? Why would doesn't make to... sense? The Vampire Lestat's like my favorite it's out the of the Vampire book. Chronicles. They right? should have just done that movie. It would have. You could have still done the new metal, gotten all that '90s vibe in there, and I, they just they fucked that all up. But Interview with the Vampire, they absolutely did not. It doesn't have like that soundtrack, but it is absolutely. I I can't say. I mean, growing up in the 90s, I was I was an angsty teenager. I was into the goth stuff. And this is like the perfect representation of 90s goth. For sure. Yeah. That's why I love Queen of the Damned, because it's the perfect <laughs> representation of early 2000s goth. Yeah. Too bad they anyway. didn't good. <laughs> <laughs> so check out David's recommendation, Queen of the Damned. Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> streaming uh, now on hulu thank you david <laughs> uh we're gonna jump to our last recommendation of the week and that is mine uh i hope everyone goes out right after listening to this and if you haven't seen it that you watch the first season of fargo uh this is the show that was inspired by the coen brothers film by the same name uh from what 96 i think yeah sounds about right uh it is an anthology show. Each season tells a different story, but every story is centered in and around Fargo, North Dakota, uh, and like the upper, like, you know, the wintry Midwest States, uh, and follows the, some aspect of crime set during some particular decade up there. So the first season uh, is about a drifter named Malvo played by Billy Bob Thornton, who brings trouble to a small town in, in Minnesota and influences insurance salesman Lester Nygaard into murder. Meanwhile, a pair of local police officers are trying to piece together a series of murders, which they believe is connected to Malvo and Nygaard. Uh, this is one of my favorite seasons of television ever made. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton plays an absolutely unsettling, uh, disturbing and terrifying villain. He's great. Uh, I think it's it's one of got to be one of the most iconic TV villains ever to be created. Um, Martin Freeman is in it. Colin Hanks is in it. Colin Hanks uh, is great. Yeah, I believe Bob Odenkirk is in season one. I could be mistaken. I know he's in one of the seasons. I think he's in season one. Um, Allison Tolman. 
a huge it's a great cast it's it's absolutely fantastic uh it's a really good crime mystery a little bit of comedy to it uh it was produced by the coens as well uh the fourth season actually just started airing on hulu and fx uh definitely looking forward to catching that one so if you're into crime dramas crime mysteries like i said a little bit of comedy into it check out fargo uh, especially season one uh, with billy bob thornton because you will absolutely not be disappointed if that's your if that's your thing yeah i love this that i love that first season too uh i, I like this whole show don't get me wrong but that first season what a hell of a way to start off an anthology to really keep you coming back because it it really did that it really set the tone for what the the potential of of what they're producing here and and they did a, a great job they did a great job continuing it as well but i just love billy bob's character yeah they did um they tie all the seasons together a little bit too like i said they take place in different decades the first season takes place in 2006 i think the second season is sometime in the 70s. The third season is back into, I can't remember if it's the 90s or if it's like 2015. Uh, 2015. Uh, and then the fourth season, which just started up, it takes place in the 50s. But there's little little ties where all the seasons tie in and remind you that this is one big universe that all of this is taking place in. Yeah. So uh, check out Fargo season one, uh, especially on Hulu right now. And that's it. That's it. Uh, that's all our recommendations for the week. Well, it's it for recommendations. But as is tradition, we always like to end our show with one warning, uh, one piece of poop media a show, a movie, something that is just terrible that you shouldn't waste your time on. Um, we have one of those for you, but I'm going to say right now that uh, I disagree. But I'm going to let Keith jump in on this one because he seemed to be the most. Uh, the biggest proponent for using this one as a warning this week. So Keith, what are we talking about? I don't know if David's made his way around to this one yet. And I don't know which I, I did. Yeah. I watched it yesterday. Oh, you did. Okay, cool. Um, so we'll see which side he's, he's more on here because more on, <laughs> um, <laughs> this movie is, uh, a new Netflix movie called QB Halloween. It is an Adam Sandler movie. Happy Madison. There's some good throwbacks to old Happy Madison movies, but that's about as much as I got out of this as, that I liked. Um, you know, it's it's great to see all the familiar faces of the Happy Madison guys, your Steve Buscemi and uh, Rob Schneider and, you know, a couple other washed-up dudes. And um, it, it, just watching them all fail at making some really bad jokes was was not really... My idea of a good time. My wife said it best in that they just kind of stuck all the potentially funny parts in the trailer and nothing ever got really funny for me. <laughs> there was nothing that, that landed. They did, uh, who did they get in there? They got Ray in there. Uh, what the fuck is his name? Ray Liotta? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, was like, oh, that's fucking Ray Liotta. He, I was so surprised to see him there. Like, like I, I was too. They, they stuck him in there and, you know, hearing him call the main character puby was probably the best joke of the whole movie <laughs> puby <laughs> uh so you didn't like this movie i fucking I, I i enjoyed it it is not good it is a terrible movie that i really enjoyed watching and i get that we've we've all done that on this show where we've talked about movies that were really poop that we really liked so i understand there's, that there's right 
I had, I had look there. Were, I won't lie. There were a couple por- parts of this movie that made me giggle, but it is so disappointing to watch all these stars. It's like he called in all of his favors, Adam Sandler. It's like he called in all of his favors to get for like one last hurrah. I don't understand this movie at all. It's this, it's about this supposedly uh, mentally deficient dude who's somehow like amazing at everything he does as well. And it's some town. sort of magic thermos. What the fuck was what up with that? What the fuck is that fucking <laughs> thermos? I don't, I don't understand. Get the joke. But, and he's in this town of just. <laughs> Billy Madison, like shit like that. Like it happens in every one of his movies. You can't be like, oh, and Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison were fucking masterpieces, and then be like, oh, he's got a thermos? That doesn't make any sense. And then he's just in this town of straight fucking assholes that like they, these people have no real legitimate reason to pick on him. Like, put in the context of this dude is has some mental deficiencies. These people are garbage people. They are the worst fucking scum of the earth. And like, also, I I have to say, every time he drags Maya Rudolph in for something, it she just seems like she doesn't want to be there. Do you guys get that sense? <laughs> every time I see her in anything she's, that is she's getting paid, <laughs> yeah, no, every because she's she every once in a while she drops into Adam Sandler things, but every time I see her, she's just like, "Fuck, am I done here now? Are we through with this shit?" <laughs> And then she goes on her way. Um, I don't. It, I'm sorry. Like we watched he, this, and and Laura, her first comment was, "I don't understand who this movie is supposed to be for." <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, we looked it up, and I was like, oh, it's PG-13. Well, that's weird. And then it came to realize that this movie is strictly for 13 year olds, but not just for 13 year olds. This movie is for 13 year olds who were 13 in the year 2000. This is for the people that pen 15 is about. Yeah. I, 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 I get it. I can see that, but it, it's just, I, I feel like it's not going to land with most of us. And I also feel <laughs> it, like some of us, obviously, like you said, you, you really enjoyed it, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I just don't know about it. This movie uh, is a subtle parody. That's what I've come to the conclusion of this movie. You're like, Oh, these people are all bad. Well, that they're supposed to be, they're all plot devices. Like, this was a very subtle parody movie. I mean, even from the perspective of like scary movie kind of parody movie, this is not good because it doesn't go over the top enough in that respect. He tried to still keep it too like, I don't, I don't even it's know a, what he was satire. trying to do. It's a subtle satire. He's making fun of his own movies. Like, how can you be like, oh, this movie doesn't like- make sense. I, I feel don't understand like, it. And like, okay, and he so did. he's riding he, the he's bike, a combination right? Everyone of is throwing little shit Nicky at him. and Waterboy, and like, yeah, he's he's a combination of like all of his weird, I feel voiced like, characters. I feel like, like if Adam Sandler were here to hear this defense, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, totally, it's a satire, absolutely." <laughs> no, think about it. Like, how could you take it that seriously? The, you know, the like the running gag of whenever he's riding his bike and people are throwing shit at him and he's ducking and dodging it, uh, yeah. right? Yeah, well, there's the part towards the end where he's riding his bike through the forest and and like a washing machine goes. <laughs> it's like the last thing that comes at him is a flaming arrow, right? Like, and then you're like, oh, these people like aren't realistic. Javelin and stuff. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that that I'm expecting realism out of Adam Sandler. What I'm expecting is some sort of plot coherence. A little bit. It feels like him and Kevin James got fucking shit housed one night and threw this together. And that's I thought that's what happened. 
I thought that's and what we were getting with grown ups. You know, I, I thought I thought we were gonna get past the the atrocious PG PG thirteen side of Adam Sandler with with grown ups. We I want I want some some non PG thirteen Adam Sandler back. You know what I mean? Well, you're I, not gonna get it. I, I probably not. There they had to, they had they tried for too much fanfare. There was too much like Adam Sandler throwbacks. Um, and they, that being said, it's, it's not a movie for me. I yeah. didn't enjoy it, but I can understand the re like the reasons why you're telling me you enjoyed this. I get it. I, it just, it, it didn't land for me. It, I, he's produced worse stuff. I, I, I can say that. I do well, feel like this is, <laughs> I do feel like this is a step up over like, um, I don't know the other stuff that's been coming out. Grown up. Jack and God. Jill, yeah, grown ups. This is this is more watchable than all of all of that. All the stuff between I would, little Nicky. I would rather watch this movie than than Grown Ups for sure. Yeah, but even Little Nicky was was a better Adam Sandler movie than absolutely. Than that was like the last good thing that he did. I challenge you both to go back and watch some of those original Happy Madison movies that we have such fond memories of, and tell me if they're not exactly the same as Hubie Halloween. Um, I'm going to pretend to not hear that so as to maintain my constructed narrative. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> just go back and watch Little Nicky that you're so fond of oh, I and, and see just how well it holds up. Hell, even even the, the two big ones, Billy Madison and, and Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, I can, I can pretty confidently say that that movie is still fucking hilarious. Billy Madison's a little more on the outrageous side. It is, but Happy Gilmore is a little has has some weird shit in it too, and it has humor no. that's very similar to this film. And all I'm saying is that we we shouldn't be placing those films on a pedestal while bashing this one when they're so similar. I'm gonna go back to what I originally said and fuck you. <laughs> so uh, don't check out or do because it's great. Hubie Halloween on Netflix <laughs> uh, right now especially because it's almost Halloween. Other than that, I think that wraps it up for the week. Does anybody have anything else uh, this week for our wonderful listener? No, get fucked. <laughs> that's, that's it for me. <laughs> All right. So check us out on social media. We've got Facebook. We've got Twitter accounts. Uh, come and follow us. You can get up all the latest three guys, one up news. Cause there's so much of it. We have so uh, much news. So much news going on. Come on to our Discord. Give us suggestions for films. Give us suggestions for theme weeks. Just uh, talk to us. With us. We're, We're, so We're so lonely. We're so lonely. Uh, we also have a website, 3 guys one upcom 3G1up. 3Guys1up.com. <laughs> that's what I said. Uh, number three. <laughs> number one. Uh, that's what I was going for. Uh, we have another show. Uh I'm going to plug it again, just like every week. Uh, we talk about video games. We talk about video game news, uh, stuff like that. Uh, the show is called Aptly Three Guys One Up. So check that out. Uh, that's it. That's all I have. Good night. Go away. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.